Hi, I'm Gregory Hallows, and this is the Preserve Halloween Podcast. Just want to start off today with uh, going over our 61 nights of Halloween. The October 1st through the 8th, I just wanted to let everyone know if you haven't seen the handout or the flyer that we've made and put on social media that these are the movies that we will be watching this first week of October. On October 1st, we will be watching Paranorman. October 2nd, Hocus Pocus. That is one of the uh, movies that everyone seems to love around Halloween. October 3rd, Monster House. On October 4th, it's one of our old classic favorites, Arsenic and Old Lace. On October 5th, The Midnight Hour. It's a television special if you haven't seen that yet. October 6th, They Live Inside Us, which is the premiere for that movie. Um, It comes out on iTunes and online that day. Uh, we've already pre-ordered it. We can't wait to to watch that that day. October 7th is another premiere movie for this year. It's Happy Halloween Scooby-Doo. And if any of you have been following us on social media, you know that we happened to find that movie at our local Walmart uh, a few weeks ago and picked it up and have watched it. And we will be watching it again. It's It's a really funny, fun family movie. And October 8th, which will be the day that our second podcast hits the air next week, it is The House with a Clock in Its Walls. It's a really, really good movie. Uh, the cast is great. Uh, it, it is a similar movie to, I guess, Goosebumps, but only because Jack Black's in it. The premise is really good. It, it's I don't want to really spoil anything, but if you haven't seen that movie, it's it's a really it's another really good family movie. For some reason, this first week of October, I picked a lot of family movies to show. So that is our sixty-one nights of Halloween. Uh, each week for the month of October, I will be going over the movies that are on the schedule for those days, and uh, hopefully, some of you can uh, catch some of that or you know watch whatever you already have lined up. I know a lot of you already do your own Halloween playlists for movies, and it's it's really neat to see a lot of the movies that some of us have forgotten about or maybe never even heard of because, you know, a lot of this stuff that we watched as kids, it's hard to find now. Uh, someone just the other day was excited that I included Mr. Boogity, and I was pleasantly surprised to see that the Disney Plus channel, you know, the subscription channel has added it to their lineup. So hopefully, you know, a whole nother generation of kids will be able to see some of the stuff that we saw when we were children. Today is October 1st. That's the day this podcast hits. So today is the official first day that you can sign up for Halloween Preservation Society memberships. It's $31 a year. If you go to PreserveHalloween.com, you can uh, see the link to to join as a member. Also, we are very happy to say that we are part of the Make It Safe Halloween campaign that is going on online. Uh, If you want to check that out, it's at Halloween2020.org. There is a lot of uh, companies like Spirit Halloween, Hershey's. They're all part of this uh, campaign this year to make Halloween safer, and we are all about that because this year is going to be very different, and we want to make it the best we can, but also stay the safe as safe as we can. So check out Halloween2020.org for some tips. There's a CDC map that will tell you kind of how your area where you live should handle Halloween this year, and uh, hopefully 
everyone has a good time still because, you know, Halloween does not go away. It's not canceled, you know. Halloween is going to last forever, way, way longer than any of us here. Um, as many of you know, the Pink Fink, the band Pink Fink from New Orleans is our intro music. And the one of the band members is a very good friend who runs a record store in New Orleans. And gracefully, he has uh, let us use his one of his songs for our intro. But we wanted to give back to you guys, the listeners, and uh, we're going to be doing a Pink Fink album giveaway, digital album. So the easiest way and the only the only uh, rules to that is send us an email at preservehalloween at gmail.com and tell us you're entering the Pink Fink giveaway in the subject line and you're entered to win. And we will randomly pick someone and announce it next podcast next week. And... Uh, that's pretty much it. We we have a few uh, copies to give away. We're going to do one through the podcast here, and then the other one's probably through social media or, or um, some other way. I haven't really decided yet, but it's a wonderful album. I have a copy of it on vinyl, and I have a test pressing. For those of us who collect vinyl, you know, test pressings is a big deal to have for, for artists, so I'm very excited that I own one. Another thing that we want to talk about before we get into the heart of the podcast subject today, we did a lot of research and listening to other podcasts before we started ours to kind of take notes on things that were successful about what other shows were doing. And just this past weekend, I was listening to My Favorite Murder, and it's a podcast that my wife turned me on to. And I think the reason why it's so successful is because the hosts are really, you know, genuinely funny people and they're, you know, you want to listen to them. But one of the things that I like the most about their podcast, besides the stories and the interesting things they talked about, was at the end of each episode, they they read letters from their fans and from people that, that listen to the show. So... That's something that we want to incorporate into our podcast is we want to have you guys send in your stories and your memories of Halloween or just something that you think that we may find interesting. So send those stories into preservehalloween at gmail.com and we will pick a few of those for each podcast and read them on the air or on the air, I guess, technically is a radio term that doesn't apply, but it will go into the podcast, and we hope that uh, we find out a lot about you guys as listeners. And also, we we love to hear the inspiration and the feedback that we get from, from you. Um, the last thing we want to bring up is we do have a Patreon, and the levels for that are $5 a month, $15 a month, and $31 a month. You can check out our website at PreserveHalloween.com to get the link to to find out more about our Patreon page. Um, the reason why we set it up is we knew that on top of the podcast we're already doing, we're going to have the opportunity to do some side things and, you know, maybe something that wasn't the link that a podcast would be, but still worthy enough to, to record. I think that there are right now at the time that I'm recording this, there are two or three, uh, patron only uh podcast so i'm trying to to incorporate some uh, additional things into that but also 
we're going to have access to a private Discord server where we can just chat. Uh, I want to do monthly chats with the patrons and, you know, kind of just to talk and, you know, get to know everybody. And like I said, this this whole thing is a community and we want to keep it that way. And Halloween is one of the best communities of people that there is. So we want to make sure that we foster that and keep it growing and you know, you guys give us a lot of ideas and inspire us, so we want to keep that that flow going. So, anyway, our first podcast topic is pumpkins, and we are going to start the podcast off with the story of Stingy Jack, who may also be known as Jack the Smith, Drunk Jack, Flaky Jack, and Jack of the Lantern, who is the mythical character apparently associated with All Hallows' Eve. Um... This this character is, from what we've read, historically the inspiration or the basis of jack-o'-lanterns. The story goes that many centuries ago, there was a town in Ireland. There was a drunkard known as Stingy Jack. Jack was known throughout the land as a deceiver, a manipulator, and just a basically a bad guy. Uh, one night, he was out and Satan overheard him telling of his evil deeds and his silver tongue and the way he was basically able to get away with whatever he wanted. Satan did not believe these stories and he may have been envious of of Stingy Jack. So he went to find out for himself whether or not Jack lived up to his reputation. As it was typical, Jack was drunk wandering through the countryside and he came upon a body on a cobblestone path. This body had an eerie grimace on its face, and it turned out to be Satan. So Jack realized something was about to happen. It was not good for him, but, you know, he he just assumed Satan had come to collect his soul. So Jack made a request. He asked Satan to let him drink an ale before he departed to Hades. Satan couldn't find any reason not to give uh, Jack this last request, so he took him to a local pub and supplied him with many, many, many alcoholic beverages. Upon quenching his thirst, Jack asked Satan to pay the tab on the ale, which really, really surprised Satan. I guess he uh, couldn't believe the gall of this guy Jack to not only ask him to get him drunk, but also to pay for it. Well, Jack then convinced Satan to transform himself into a silver coin, which was how he could pay the bartender. Well, Satan did that, and Jack stuck Satan as the coin into his pocket, which also contained a crucifix, so now Satan was helpless. The crucifix kept Satan from escaping, and he could not transform back from the coin. So, this convinced Satan to agree to Jack's demand. In exchange for his freedom, he lets uh, Jack live for another 10 years. He gave him his soul for 10 more years. Uh, 10 years later to the exact date when Jack originally struck the deal, he found himself once again in Satan's presence. Jack happened upon Satan in the same setting as before, and he knew, you know, this time he was going to hell, Hades, for good. So, As Satan prepared to take him, Jack asked once more for a favor. He said, hey, Satan, could you give me an apple to feed myself? I'm starving. Uh, You know, just give me an apple and let, you know, let this be done. So once again, Satan uh, agreed to the request of Jack. And as Satan climbed up a tree to get him an apple, which 
Uh, that image to me is is quite kind of uh, funny. Jack surrounded the tree with a bunch of crucifixes at the base, so Satan was uh, trapped. So Stingy Jack had once again uh, tricked Satan into uh, being trapped by crucifixes. So as Jack did before, he made a demand, and uh, this time he demanded to Satan that his soul never be taken. And Satan agreed. He had no choice, so Stingy Jack was set free. Eventually, all the uh, drinking and uh, alcohol took its toll on Jack, and he died. So, as he prepared to enter heaven through the gates of St. Peter, he was stopped. Jack was told by God that because of his sinful lifestyle of deceitfulness and drinking, he was not going to be allowed into heaven. So, Jack went down to the gates of hell and begged admission into the underworld. Uh, Satan, fulfilling his obligation to Jack, could not take his soul because he promised him. He told him that you made a deal and I can never take your soul. So that left Stingy Jack basically wandering around. So to warn others, Satan gave Jack an ember, marking him as a denizen of the netherworld. And from that day on until eternity... Jack was doomed to roam the world between the planes of good and evil with only the ember inside of a hollowed turnip, which I think uh, some of the things I read said a turnip was actually referring to a rutabaga. And uh, so there are very, very many different versions of this story, but some of the uh, some of the older pictures that I found when I first started researching Halloween was of the turnip as the, you know, our jack-o'-lantern uh, origin. And this story of Stingy Jack is one of the reasons where it comes from. So that that was a fun story I wanted to start off with because I think that historically tall tales and stories of morality and things like that are very, very important to history. And it helps to keep us uh, tied together somehow. You know, I was watching a show from the 90s I think on Urban Legends earlier before I started recording this and it's amazing how some of these same stories have been passed on similar stories I guess like you know the the guy with the hook hand if you're out on Lover's Lane and he's going to come and then you hear you know scratching on the roof and things like that that story's been around for centuries and you know there's plenty of stories like that that have been passed on generation to generation, and, you know, our history is full of that. So, uh, Stingy Jack, you should have uh, been a better person, I guess, is the moral of the story. Uh, otherwise, you know, nobody wants you at the end. Heaven didn't want you. Hell couldn't take you. Uh, I'm sure that really upset Satan. And, you know, you're left to wander the world with a uh, rutabaga. So, that sucks for you. Um <laughs> So speaking of history, a little bit of history on pumpkins, our topic here of this first podcast. Pumpkins are a fruit, a type of squash, which is a member of the gourd family. This family also includes cucumbers, gherkins, melons, honeydew, cantaloupe, watermelon, and zucchini. Uh, Pumpkins are native to Central America and Mexico, but are now grown on six continents. They have been grown in North America for over 5,000 years, indigenous to the Western Hemisphere. Pumpkins are low in calories, fat, and sodium, and high in fiber. Good sources of vitamin A, vitamin B, potassium, protein, and iron. And one of the uh, 
I read something uh, in 1584, a French explorer named Jacques Cartier was exploring the St. Lawrence region of North America, and he reported finding uh, something called gross melons. I don't I'm assuming that that's the way you pronounce it, but if not, I'm sorry, but it's spelled it looks like gross melons to me. Uh, that was later translated into pompions, which has since evolved into the modern pumpkin. And also, the uh, largest pumpkin that I've ever uh, that I found that could was ever grown is 1,689 pounds by a man named Joe Jutras of Rhode Island. That that number may have been trumped by now, but as of this uh, podcast, that's the biggest pumpkin I have found that has been grown. So, more history. Um, Many of us know the Washington Irving story of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, which is from 1820, 200 years ago. The funny thing is, is a lot of us associate the Headless Horseman with, you know, a pumpkin or a jack-o'-lantern in place of his head. But in the original story, all that's ever written in the original story is a shattered pumpkin being discovered next to Ichabod Crane's abandoned hat on the morning after he's the supposed encounter with the horseman. So I think, I don't know when that uh, the Headless Horseman adopted a pumpkin for a head. Maybe Disney, um, the cartoons. Uh, I need to look more into that. But some more history uh, with the pumpkin. The term to... uh, describe a carved pumpkin in American English was not first seen until 1834. The Carved Pumpkin Lantern Association with Halloween was recorded in the November 1st, 1866 edition of the Daily News from Kingston, Ontario, and it said, The old-time custom of keeping up Halloween was not forgotten last night by the youngsters of the city. They had their maskings and their merrymakings, and perambulated the streets after dark in a way which was no doubt amusing to themselves. There was a great sacrifice of pumpkins from which to make transparent heads and face, lighted up by the unfailing two inches of tallow candle. So that is one of the earliest, if not the first, uh, recording of putting a light into a pumpkin that was carved. Poet John Greenleaf Whittier, who was born in Massachusetts in 1807, wrote a poem named The Pumpkin in 1850, which went like this. Oh, fruit loved of boyhood, the old days recalling, when wood grapes were purpling and brown nuts were falling, when wild ugly faces we carved in its skin, glaring out through the dark with a candle within. I think that was one of the first uh, poems specifically written for a pumpkin. So also, I I think uh, before I get too much further, I want to go ahead and broach the subject of uh, something that has in recent years, I guess, unfairly been chastised and ridiculed for for being too popular. Uh, Starbucks pumpkin spice latte. You know, I think everyone that exists at least knows what that is. That drink was not created until 2003, and it has become Starbucks' most iconic and popular drink, but it almost didn't happen. I read an article, interviewed a man named Tim Kern, who was a former executive of Starbucks, and he said that when they were testing out the the flavor, 
uh, a lot of the people that they tested it on in internally thought that the uh, flavor was so dominant and you couldn't really, you know, that the coffee kind of got left behind with the flavor of the, the pumpkin spice. So they almost didn't green light it and it almost did not become a drink. So, and the other thing they were worried about is it was a great idea business wise, but it also was something that wasn't that hard to imitate. Basically pumpkin spice latte until I guess 2015 when they tinkered with the, the recipe all it was was pumpkin spice sauce in quotation marks from this article I read and coffee. That was it. So any other uh, coffee chain could just, you know, duplicate that. But I guess they didn't have Starbucks uh, marketing because as of, uh, I guess this year, 424 million pumpkin spice lattes have been sold worldwide. So I guess that their idea was successful. And this year, I guess to maybe ease the the what's going on with the pandemic, the the pumpkin spice latte was released on August twenty fifth, the earliest th- that it's ever been released since its inception. So hopefully, a lot of you have found some comfort in the pumpkin spice latte. And I, I read another article that basically was addressing the. Uh, criticism that the drink gets uh there's a lot of jokes and you know just it, it it's easy it's an easy thing to pick on i guess but the the article i read basically said it was a an attack on feminism basically whenever a females like something it's easier to ridicule but if if it was something that men liked like you know barbecue sauce or you know hot anything hot chips hot you know whatever it's considered elevated by the fact that men like it so i found that interesting that making fun of pumpkin spice lattes uh is basically you know attacking women for liking it which makes no sense so you know if pumpkin spice latte is one of your things all for it you know have it i i don't drink coffee which is fine it's kind of funny because I used to run a coffee shop with my wife and I didn't taste any of the drinks, but, uh, I made a bunch of them on the menu and I just had other people taste them for me to tell me if they were good or not. So anyway, if you like the pumpkin spice latte, have at it. 424 million of you must like them because they're doing a pretty good job. So the next thing I want to talk about a pumpkin wise is As many of you know, if you followed us on social media, you know that this year we had our first pumpkin patch and we did not even plan it. So we we ended up, I think, with uh, 16 pumpkins after it was all said and done. Uh, Our pumpkin patch is done now. We've already picked out all the pumpkins because we have no idea when they even were planted. Uh, They just started showing up. So because of the success of our pumpkin patch with with just I guess miracle I decided to look up what we should have done for our pumpkin patch this year to to make it better so for next year we will know what we're doing and we had a lot of people ask us when we started posting the pictures of 
our pumpkins just to see, hey, you know, what did you do? How did you get your pumpkins to grow the way they did? Um, honestly, this year all I did was water them. I think I watered them twice a day for maybe just, you know, 10 minutes or whatever. Um, luckily for me, the pumpkins were on the side of our house that got a lot of uh, sun, but also got a lot of shade. So, so what I did is I looked up on the Farmer's Almanac because, you know, they've been around since 1792. So I know they know what they're doing. So I looked to them to kind of give me some ideas on what I should have done, what advice I can give for people that want to plant uh, pumpkins next year. And what I found out was pumpkins have a very long growing season. It's generally uh, 75 to 100 frost-free days. So because we live in the South, that's almost the entire year. So I guess that's why I think our pumpkins, from what I can tell, our pumpkins after we carved them last year, and I generally keep our jack-o'-lanterns around until the first of the year if I can, and then I kind of just toss them out in the yard. So that's what I did again this year, but uh, somehow those seeds uh, grew. So, But from uh, the Farmer's Almanac, what it's suggesting is you need to plant the seeds by late May in the north and at least by early July in the extremely southern states. So ours were planted way before that. So I, I guess we just got lucky. But um, you're supposed to wait until all the danger of frost has passed and the soil has warmed itself up because um, the seedlings of the pumpkin are very uh, tender and they could be injured or rot if you plant them too soon. Uh, the best time to plant the seeds are... Uh, Wait until the soil is around 70 degrees uh, before planting them outside. And the optimum optimum soil temperature, it says, is 95 degrees. So uh, because pumpkins are very sensitive to the cold, uh, you want to wait until, like it says, uh, late May to early July to even begin planting them. If your growing season is going to be short, you can seed plants indoors about two to four weeks before the last spring frost, and uh, that should do you if you're going to plant them inside. But we got lucky, like I said. We had our seeds, I guess, were thrown on the side of the house, which is very open. There's a lot of space for growth, Um, and that's one of the things that uh, the Farmer's Almanac talks about is Pick a planting site that is uh, full sun to light shade with a lot of space for the vines to kind of just spread out. They need, from what I read, 50 to 100 square feet per hill. But it also says if your space is limited, don't worry. You can plant the pumpkins at the edge of a garden and let them grow across a, a sidewalk or your lawn, which is what we did. Ours just grow, grew across the lawn. And the vines... Never really a big problem, but they also suggested if you want to, you can grow pumpkins in 5 to 10 gallon buckets. But here's the thing about pumpkins, and we found this out pretty quick. They like to eat a lot. The The soil needs to be very rich and not too soggy. So I think I just lucked out by watering them the way I did. I didn't really know, 
you know, I didn't research it until after they started growing. So what I should have done is added compost or manure or some kind of nutrients to where the they were growing because I have no idea how our pumpkins got any kind of nutrients other than the water. But that also said if you don't want to grow a lot of pumpkins or if you're concerned with pumpkin size, like you want a big pumpkin that you can, uh, I think it says cut off some of the, uh, some of the flowers before they, uh, start growing. But like it said, pumpkins are heavy feeders. You're supposed to fertilize them on a regular basis. Use a high nitrogen formula for plant growth. Fertilize when they're about one foot tall. Prune the vines because if you prune them, it it allows for more space. And it's here it is. Gardeners who are looking for a prize for size pumpkin might just want to select two or three of the prime candidates and then take away all the other fruit and vines. So you can get rid of every other pumpkin that's before it grows and and all the everything will focus on those those couple of pumpkins you pick. So that's your planting and growing section, but uh, what you can do, and this is not what I did either. I didn't rotate my pumpkins. I didn't do a lot of the things I read after the fact. Because you're supposed to rotate the, uh, turn the pumpkins as they're developing so that they grow evenly. I didn't do that. Um, I have no idea, honestly, how these pumpkins, like, even survive. Because we didn't do anything other than water them. You're not supposed to pick the pumpkins off the vine until they've reached the the size they're supposed to be which from everything i read it's based on the color just make sure it's as orange as it's supposed to be it should be a deep solid orange for most of them. i mean there are other colors like white and this there's we only grew oranges uh or orange pumpkins because that's whatever we bought at the store last year what you want to do when it's time to pick them it says you're supposed to harvest them on a dry day after the uh, plants have died around them and the skin is hard. And everything I read said you're not supposed to be able to poke your thumbnail through the skin. And that's when you know it's ripe. So if you don't, I, I, I still don't know if we picked ours too soon, but they're still, they're growing. Or they, they grew fine and they're still alive in our you know front yard. They haven't rotted out yet. And that's the thing, once you pick them, you're supposed to leave them out in the sun for about a week to make the skin tougher. And I did not do that. I immediately took them in the house into the air conditioning. So I'm waiting to see how that turns out. I think I may have started the rotting process way too soon. The cool thing is you can save the seeds for up to six years from the pumpkins that you harvest yourself or from the store or whatever. So I think the, the I'm scared that next year, because I'm, trying to read about this and and make it to where I'm doing what I'm supposed to the pumpkins aren't going to work because I'm reading too much but we saw a lot of really good pumpkin patches we we did also see a lot of people that were trying it for the first time which was cool a lot of people got I think one of the people we talked to got like 36 or some crazy amount of pumpkins and then a few people just got a handful but you know what was the most fun for me was just going out every morning and checking on them and seeing what the growth was. And it was just cool to have something to, to look after. So we can't wait till next year to grow some more. And now 
we know when we're supposed to. We're going to set up a dedicated little area for our pumpkins next year. And hopefully we can duplicate or even best what we did this year. Because right now our only time of doing pumpkins, we got 16. So, you know, that's not too bad. So after growing our own pumpkins, I, I, I wanted to find out more about pumpkins in general and, and the the industry for it. So I, I looked up and I found out in 2017, the world production of pumpkins, including squash and gourds, because, you know, same family, was 27 million tons. China and India at that time accounted for 47% of the total. Russia, Ukraine, and the United States were each behind that, uh, says 1 million tons. According to the Illinois Department of Agriculture, 95% of the U.S. crop intended for processing is grown in Illinois. And Nestle, which operates under the name brand Libby's, produces 85% of the processed pumpkin in the United States at their plant in Morton, Illinois, which they have self-proclaimed themselves just like... Anoka, Minnesota, self-proclaimed themselves the Halloween capital of the world. Morton, Illinois has self-proclaimed themselves the pumpkin capital of the world. And I think the article I read says that no other city in the United States produces more pumpkins for eating. And so that led me to the next person I found who is there's an Illinois farmer named Sarah Frey. And she is called the Pumpkin Queen of America, and she sells 5 million pumpkins annually, but her pumpkins are predominantly used for jack-o'-lanterns. Sarah is the CEO and owner of Frey Farms, which she founded at the age of 16. She is a very, very interesting uh, person. I I read more about her, and uh, she does have a book out right now that I am about to start reading uh, she is uh, also the largest H-2A visa employer in Illinois, as well as the largest grower of pumpkins in the United States, her farm. So I need to ask her what um, differentiates her from the Nestle company, because Nestle Nestle is declaring that they produce 85% of the pumpkin in the United States, but... If she's the largest grower of pumpkins, then does Nestle just process her pumpkins? I'm not sure. So speaking of that, the reason I said I need to ask her is because I have reached out to Frey Farms and Sarah Frey has agreed to an interview with us. And I want to ask her about her title of the Pumpkin Queen of America, find out what she thinks about Halloween and also see what she she what her favorite things about Halloween are and after all these years, she's been, she's owned this farm since she was 16. Is she sick of pumpkins yet? Or does she just absolutely love them or indifferent or whatever? I, it's interesting to know somebody that has done something for that long, what they think about it. But for her to be running a farm at that age and still doing it now. And last I read, she is considering running for office so that she represents farmers in uh, her part of the country, which is wonderful. So I will post the uh, interview with her and, and maybe we'll find out some answers to these questions. But before I sign off from this uh, podcast, I wanted to share a, a song that my five-year-old wrote. And uh, when you have the last name Hallows, you kind of are 
I guess, blessed or cursed with loving Halloween. Uh, they've grown up around our house. There's always some form of pumpkins or something to do with Halloween always, like all year round. So, of course, that is uh, rubbed off onto my children. So my five-year-old wrote a song about werewolves one day, and we decided to kind of record it for her just so she could hear herself and uh, she was so excited about it so I told her I would share it with you guys and just I hope you enjoy it she had a very fun time recording it and uh, she runs around the house now singing it all day long so you will probably be singing it in your head or out loud as much as we do because we hear it constantly so thank you guys for listening and we will see you next week